0: Started is we ask, um, first of all, let me just say, Welcome to Cornerstone. So, Cornerstone, as you know, it's our Sunday afternoon sort of Zoom fellowship around the word, and our focus here is on building lives on our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, gospel living, sort of an extension of our Lagos ministry. And, uh, this afternoon. We have a special guest. I've seen his, uh, at least his photo online, so it means I gave him the right Zoom link, at least I hope so. Anyways, and uh, my good uh, brother and friend Han Cho, and we're going to get to him in a few minutes, but we want to start this afternoon first. We usually just take some prayer requests just to hear from three or four of you. Maybe one thing that the Lord, uh, that you can praise the Lord for. And one thing that we as a church can be specifically praying for you, okay? So um, I'm looking at my screen here and uh, let's see, I see Alyssa Yoon. That's, that's one that comes up, all right? And then there's uh, Steph Ye and uh, Grace Lee and Paul. Let's do those four folks, okay? And if you can unmike yourself and maybe just share with us, one praise, one thing that you're thankful to the Lord for, and maybe one way our church can be praying for you. Okay. And we'll start with Alyssa.
1: Uh hi. Um I'm trying to think of one thing. Uh I think just I think the past couple weeks have been, I think, pretty challenging spiritually, but just really a praise to God for just forgiveness. Like <laughs> Just like constantly seeing like, I think the death of my sin, but also seeing him work in my heart to repent quicker, not to exit in sin and to just continuously like do what God tells me not to, but to really learn to repent and to repent quicker. So that's like, I would say really big praise just to see like, Very big. like just not, you know, to do what God tells me to do. Um, I think, Prayer. I think recently I've been reflecting more on um, what it means to make biblical decisions and just really learning to think more of through what the word says and to just make small and big decisions based off of what God's word says. So, I, sorry. Uh, I appreciate prayer. Just learning to really take that time to like consider what His commands and principles say. Have um, what his, what are his what his word says so that. When I have to make decisions whether like it's really big or if it's even just like trying to decide like something very small that everything honors God and that um, I don't make my decisions based off uh, emotions or feelings but based off of God's truth.
0: Alyssa well, so that's true for all of us so good good praise and and good request. thank you. Uh, John and Steph maybe one praise and one request for our church, for you. All
2: right. Hi. Um, I think a praise is um, just the Lord um, convicting me of sin in my life. Um, thank you. Um, and that I didn't see as sin for a long time. And just him bringing circumstances in my life that have shown me how sinful I am and I have trouble seeing my sin and because I'm proud and I um and I've never been at a point in my life where I've seen how sinful I am as now and I'm thankful for that um and I can understand the gospel more and see how much I need God as a savior and how there's nothing good in me, and I think it's been difficult having um, a newborn at church, or, you know, a baby at church, and um, our baby has some health issues that make my life uh, just, things are very urgent, and it's easy for me to be so impatient at home
3: and um snap
2: the people around me so if you could just pray that the lord would be in patience um towards my family because everything seems like it needs to be done uh, right away and that doesn't happen with children around so it's been struggling with that a lot just being loving towards my children
4: and how i speak to them
0: amen yeah, absolutely, Steph. Hear you on that.
2: Um, John? Yeah, so a big praise is kind of similar to Steph. Uh, God showing me a lot of simpleness in my life, even in the area of laziness and selfishness. Like to <sighs> my daughter, Rachel, would come in the morning I'm <sighs> sleeping in and say, oh, wake up, sluggard. <laughs> so you have your little kids. Yeah, so I think it's kind of like, how you have shepherded me recently is like my priority, my relationship with the Lord is not right. And my sin kind of like even how Pastor Amos mentioned, it's like the sin that I have affects everyone around me. So yeah, I think that's a big praise. And you could be praying that I would continue to trust in the Lord and repent from like areas where I'm still holding on in terms of like idolizing, whether it's work or um, just not even loving my family the way I should, the way that the Lord has commanded us to. So,
0: well, Thank you for sharing, John and Steph. And we're just excited about what the Lord's doing in your home and in your family. Um, we're going to go to Paul P. I'm going to ask you, Paul, if, if you could just share a, a praise and also how we can be praying for you. And then Grace Lee will let you close out.
4: Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, just right. Um, Yeah, I think uh, this past week was uh, really, really encouraging. Um, I've been trying to stay connected with some of the the guys in my small group. Um, And I think there was a a pretty good um, sort of convergence between uh, something that I was uh, talking with about uh, with Eric in my group, and also a little bit of the passage that we were reading in in first Timothy at the end of chapter four. uh, Eric mentioned that uh, he uh, was reaching out to some individuals that uh, he knew in his, in his, in his life uh, and that also that he just finished up his Bible in a year plan. Um, that combined with, uh, I'm gonna just share like a quick little verse that we had in First uh, Timothy 4, 4, 12, and 13. Let no one despise you for your youth, but be an example. To the believers in word and conduct and love and spirit and faith and purity, till I come, give attention to the reading of the doctrine, to exhortation, uh, or to give attention to reading to exhortation to doctrine. Um, and I think the reason why these two things uh, stuck out uh, this passage, and also what I was uh, my little quick chat with with Eric this past week, um, was he encouraged me uh by being a little bit of an example and, and sharing that um and so this past week i decided to uh also take up uh bible Year Plan. so i'm you know just started uh, still still trekking through genesis um but i'm something that i'm looking forward to i feel uh if anything else i still have you know however however long this uh Uh, year year at home um, however long it happens to go on I have plenty of time to read so that is definitely an encouragement um, something that I'm excited and looking forward to prayer request um, keep me in prayer that uh, this ongoing study will uh, do do me well that the Lord will continue to uh, it's not just me reading words on a page but Uh, Rather, uh, the Lord uh, being able to to reveal uh, what what he's written and and his plan uh, it's off my heart to be capable of uh, understanding and and accepting uh, the things that I I read throughout uh, this coming year. Um, But, yeah. Thanks, Paul. You know,
0: absolutely. An encouragement to all of us as you make your way through the Bible in a year and Um, yeah, just prayer for that too. Absolutely. Um, and it's the same for all of us for our time with the Lord. So thank you for sharing. Grace Lee, last but not least, we'll let you bring it home.
3: Thank you. Um, think of praise that I have is just some trials that G and I have been going through, um, some challenges, some people challenging us, asking us questions and us just, just going through things and um, it's been really good in the sense that we're checking our heart and um, we're seeing where our idols are just seeing some idols that uh, we thought we didn't have but that we do and that God's been revealing that to us so I'm thankful for you know all the people who have been challenging us and just a lot of circumstances that have happened in our lives recently. Um, a prayer request for me would be um, for discipline to wake up before everyone else in my house wakes up to read and pray. Um, I'm just seeing that, um, you know, as like I'm a homeschool mom, I work part-time at home and there's just a lot of stuff that I need to get through uh, through the day. But if I don't um, start off with the word and prayer, a lot of it is um, just not focused and um, I do it without joy. I just tend to forget who I'm doing it for, so uh for just discipline to um start my day off with the lord
0: that's awesome, Grace, yeah, for our moms, absolutely, no question, and for you singles, we'll be talking about that shortly with um my good friend Han, but you know if you can get started on that discipline of just having quality time with the Lord before your day begins um that is something that will come in very handy, both after you get married and after kids come, if the Lord chooses to bless you with that, it's just an essential single or married and even more so the busier your life gets. So thanks for sharing, Grace. Um, Garrett, I see you on my screen and I'm gonna ask, would you just lift these um, praises and requests? We don't have to go through all of them, the Lord knows them before we say, but just as a church and a church body, uh, to support these individuals, but these requests are all our requests in many ways. If you could just pray for these things, that would be
5: great. Yeah, absolutely. Lord, we're, we're thankful for the time we can spend here this afternoon, just after a morning of, of worship uh, at church. We thank you that we're, um, you yeah, we've even been able to hear just the requests of uh, our fellow church members, brothers and sisters. And Lord, you've brought circumstances, whether into their lives, whether joys or or trials or challenges where, you know, a lot of they, what they shared is just you, know, you revealing uh, the sin in their lives. And, and we praise you for that, that you've graciously uh, done that work through your word, through your spirit, uh, through the counsel of others. And, and Lord, we pray that um, that you would help them continue to to grow in holiness and godliness, to repent from sin, um, and to kill the sin in their lives. And and we uh, just uh, look forward to seeing the continuing fruit and the ways that you're growing them. Um, We pray that they would continue to devote themselves to you uh, in time in your word, and time in prayer, and that uh, you would have that be a foundation uh, in their life um, as they know you more and um, just deepen their, their love for you and uh, in their pursuit of godliness that um, they would be holy in, in every way. So we pray, uh, yeah, just knowing that you are our father in, in heaven uh, who loves us and hears us and um, takes care of each one of, each one of your children. And we thank you for uh, the requests that have been shared here this afternoon. Um, we pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you, Garrett. Well, I'm I'm going to introduce our guest this afternoon in a little bit of a roundabout way. Okay, I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 19, and uh, we're going to read, okay, verses nine through 12 together, and it may sound confusing, but after I introduce our guest, and no, he's not Jesus, okay, but after I, Jesus is already present with us, but as I I read through that, and I hopefully will draw a connection, it'll help introduce our our guest for this afternoon, okay, so, um, and in fact, uh, Garrett, I'm going to ask you to read, if you would, uh, Matthew 19, verses 9 through 12 for us. Matthew 19, verses
5: 9 through 12. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. The disciples said to him, if such is the case of a man with his wife, it's better not to marry. But he said to them, not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. For there are eunuchs who have been so from birth and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this, receive it. All right, Han,
0: don't shake too much until you hear what I'm gonna say. You know, when you read this passage, most folks, and when I first read this, I was like, what do I do with this, okay? And and if you have a MacArthur Study Bible and you read the notes, it's very helpful. And as you go through the Greek and you also study the passage, um, what helps significantly is to understand that when Jesus is making the statement eunuchs, eunuchs, that term eunuchs at that time, okay, was used generically to refer to those who did not marry. Okay, in a very broad sense, it could apply to people who did not marry. Okay, not just specifically those who had had that special operation in order to be quote unquote, the the technical term it was, it could be used in a very, very broad sense. And Dr. MacArthur in the study notes makes this reference to what is celibate. And, you know, the point that I wanna draw here when you look at this passage is, first of all, the disciples are overwhelmed with the responsibilities of what's involved in a biblical or godly marriage, God's design, it's too much for these men to handle. You know, if if this is the case, Jesus, if this is your standard for what marriage is, we talked about this previously in Cornerstone, you know, who should get married, because we're all going to basically fall apart and break down. And then Jesus pivots a little bit. He makes this point about really marriage being a gift. Those who can receive this saying should receive it. And then he walks through this idea of the single life. So, to speak, in a very broad sense. And in the variant, he talks about, okay, the cultural traditions, the genetic conditions, but then he talks about this eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God. Now, that phrase has been manipulated and distorted, especially within the Catholic Church, where singleness was raised in the priesthood to a super high level that you were like a superman with a super special gift. But I think what's interesting when you go through this passage is Jesus does not elevate being single above, but he doesn't also put it below like singles are a second class citizen. He looks at marriage in this passage and singleness when he talks about those who can receive it should receive it. And he's talking about those who choose to be single for the kingdom. Well, Now, that's a big distinction. That's unique within the church. Okay, that it's a choice that's being made for the kingdom of heaven, and that sets them apart from the rest of the world and from tradition and from biology, okay? He's saying for the kingdom, and then he says let those who can receive it or the one who can receive it receive it. He makes it clear that marriage and the single life are both gifts from the Lord for those who are God's children, okay, for those who are God's children. One is not higher than the other. One is not lower than the other. And of course, we need to be mindful that Jesus is saying this at a time when he in fact is single for the sake of the kingdom. And we have to think of the apostle Paul, who was also single for the sake of the kingdom, okay? And yet there were apostles like Peter, who was also married, and his wife accompanied him in ministry. So I just want to set that table that within the church, okay, and within the kingdom and children of the kingdom, there are those who've been given the gift of marriage, and there are those who, sometimes for a season, sometimes longer, have been given the gift of singleness for the sake of the kingdom. Now, I'm saying this as an introduction, because when I was at Grace Community Church well over a decade ago, And that's how long Han and I have known each other, over a decade, over 10 years, which is frightening a little bit. I first met Han in the single ministry that was run by Kurt Gebhardt, and Kurt was very much a mentor um, to Han, and he was also uh, a pastor while I was a pastoral intern and was a great help to me. And that was a season for both Han and I when we were single. And I would like to think we were single for the kingdom of heaven during that time, but it was a long season for me. Okay, I'll let Han share for himself a little bit. Um, But Han faithfully served in that ministry. And eventually, in time, the Lord blessed him with an amazing wife, uh, three daughters, and then also now he's serving as an elder at Grace Community Church. Um, But certainly, I think, and this is just my Opinion, Han, and you can tell me otherwise. But I, I think much of the blessing that came in Han's ministry, both before he was married and afterwards, there were a lot of foundations that were placed in his life during that season of singleness when he was being mentored uh by um Kirk. And and my wife has just texted me that I made the fatal error of saying three daughters. It's actually two daughters and one son. So Han, forgive me, Mia Copa, Mia Copa. Okay. Um But anyways, um, Han was always a great encouragement and inspiration for me during those single years, as far as a saint who prospered and during that season had a very, 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 very fruitful life and ministry in the local church. Uh, His singleness did not stop him. Uh, If anything, um, it was just used and redeemed in a mighty way. And so I, I, when I thought of this time that we would gather together to talk about redeeming the single life, he came to mind right away. And fortunately in his busy schedule, he was able to, to join us. So with that, Han, uh, welcome. Thank you so much for making time to be with us. And I wanted to start really by saying, Han, maybe you could share some of the challenges of being a single saint. And being a single saint in a great church, but nonetheless being a single saint.
6: Sure. And, uh, no, Mark, thank you so much for the invitation. Thank you for being here. Thank you for that kind introduction. Uh, I'm not sure if it's every guest's uh, dream to be uh, likened to a eunuch, uh, you know, as being introduced, and yet you've managed to make that sound biblical and uh, great. So uh, I appreciate you, Mark, and your friendship. uh, And you also were a great encouragement to me uh, as well. Um, So, yeah, just really... um, you know, when we think about challenges of the single life, uh, I, uh, I was 34 years old when God saved me. And uh, pretty quickly, you know, just because of the life I had led, uh, you know, I had been an entertainment lawyer and very uh, deeply secular, deeply in the world, uh, you know, I uh, resolved that, uh, yeah, I did not think I had the gift of singleness, so to speak, uh, at least uh, not permanently. And I had resolved, hey, I really would like to get married. And, uh, you know, that uh, uh, despite that desire and despite at times my best efforts, uh, the Lord uh, had me remain single for a good six and a half years uh, after God saved me. And uh, it was only, I think, when I really got to a place of, uh, you know, and I thought along the way I had been content at various points in time and maybe there were genuine seasons of contentment. But it was really a couple months after I really got to the point of saying, "Well, Lord, I, I think I could be content even if you don't have marriage for me." That happens to be when God uh, introduced me to my wife Heather, and uh, that—that's uh, a story for another time, really. But uh, you know, even as I think about that six and a half year period of singleness that Mark and I, uh, you know, spent part of our time together, yeah, a number of challenges really did arise, and I would say the primary challenge is, uh, to be quite frank and and basic, it was loneliness. Mm -hmm. You know, I I think that Genesis 2.18 is clear. And then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. And so, you know, I think that that loneliness and that uh, kind of, um, you know, kind of heartache, if you will, from time to time, uh, you know, was the hardest thing for me. And you know, even as I, uh, you know, filled that time with the Lord, filled that time with other things, uh, nevertheless, there always was that kind of desire for marriage and companionship. And um, so, I would say, kind of dealing with that uh, internal struggle primarily uh, was uh, one of the major challenges of my of my time of singleness. Yeah. And I would say, two challenges that kind of spin off of that loneliness are. You know, of course, there is the challenge of sexual purity, and you know we think about First Thessalonians four, and you know, let me read uh, verses three and following. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, and uh, you know just that was a challenge, especially coming, you know, we live in a highly sexualized culture, you know, much like uh, the Corinthians did, uh, certainly uh, as Paul wrote uh, letters to the Corinthians in 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and it was a really telling pair of letters, but, uh, you know, certainly that is all around us in our culture today, and uh, that is, you know, again, to be plain, to be candid, to be real, that's, that's a real challenge, and especially with the you know, kind of availability of the internet and availability of, uh, you know, really, um, you know, much um, dishonorable material, Uh, you know, that's all the more important reason that we learn to, you know, control his own body and holiness and honor, as it says in that verse I just read. And so those would be two challenges. And I'll just kind of briefly go into the third that, uh, and then we can get into it more, Mark. But Uh, The other challenge that associated with loneliness, that spun off of loneliness in a different direction, I would say would be self-absorption and and narcissism, really, and and how that is a challenge. And there was a tendency, I think, that, you know, because I was lonely and because I was often alone and therefore sometimes without accountability, without anyone to tell me, uh, you know, I had elders in my life. I had pastors in my life. Pastor Kurt was a great uh, you know, benefit and, and blessing to me as a mentor and discipler. But look, he wasn't by my side 24-7. And so really, it's a question of, you know, what do I do with my time? You know, what do I do with my liberty? And, you know, I think that self-absorption uh, would tend to come to the fore. I would really look to please myself and do whatever I wanted to do. And, you know, especially as you sing are single and remain single for a longer period of time in life, I wasn't, uh, you know, I was 41 when I got married, uh, you know, and six and a half years, like I said, even in the Lord as a single, there can be this danger that you get set in your ways a little bit. And, you know, I think that that kind of self-absorption and narcissism is another real challenge and danger for me anyway, when I was walking the single life. So maybe Mark, I'll pause there and and, and just uh, let you um, explain.
0: You, you know, um, those are just really great insights. I think, you know, obviously, we were single at the same time, I didn't get married till 40, 41, to very, very similar path. We were both sort of professional guys. Um, you know, all of the same, same tracks and patterns. And I think the humility to come out and say, loneliness is a challenge. And to see that biblically, I think is so needed and so necessary. And I'm gonna jump on some of the things that you said that were related, because what the world sells us is sexual satisfaction is gonna help my loneliness, career is gonna help my loneliness, or leisure and entertainment are gonna help my loneliness. Those are three things that I think are being sold on a regular basis, and sometimes that infiltrates the church as well. And ultimately, only Christ satisfies, those end up digging a deeper hole. And I think that ties into your statement about self-absorption. Definitely those, those things are there, and obviously, you know, Han, I wish I would had you speak to me and go back in time and tell me those things, because those are things that we sort of learned, you know, God graciously brought us through those things. Um, you know, Han, what are some of the helps or remedies as we look at that, with that issue of not only loneliness, but that idea of self-absorption, potentially getting set in our ways? Um, you know, yeah. what are some of the helps that, that the Lord provides?
6: Well, I wanted to say Philippians 2, 3, and 4 was a huge help to that uh, self-absorption. And that is, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And Kurt uh, Gebhard's, you know, that we've mentioned, uh, really preached an incredible sermon on that concept. And he was the pastor over the singles ministry, the foundry, it was called. And, you know, just really, he had such an incredible way of motivating single people to look outside of themselves. You know, I think that I had a tendency to want to navel gaze, to look inward, to look downward. And yet he would really do such a good job of directing our gaze upward to Christ and then secondarily outward to others and to really look to serve. And really this theme of service is, it just was an incredible blessing. And that was one of the blessings You know, we talked about challenges of singleness. That was one of the blessings of singleness, to be able to serve.
0: Yeah, I I think one of the exceptional things Kurt did at Foundry during that time was making that connection between service and the vertical, our relationship with Christ and the horizontal, as opposed to not just service to keep people busy, but I just remember distinctly, he very intentionally in that singles ministry made a point that this was not a dating service. This was not about meeting. This was about pleasing Christ and this was about serving and really by extension, you know, in the bigger picture a discipleship aspect of things. And so, you know, that was, that was definitely exceptional. Um, Han, what were some of the encouragements that you would say, or, or blessings looking and some of those we see looking black back. Yeah. Hindsight's twenty twenty you know, of that single season?
6: Well, I will say one of the things that was a blessing to me, and some of you may chuckle at this, but, uh, you know, I, I really, it is the blessing of having time. And, you know, I, look, I know so Every many times. agrees with you on that. What's that?
0: Every parent agrees with you on that.
6: Right. And yet it's also a thing, I think when, look, when I was single, I was busy, right? I, I had a lot going on. And especially if you're like going to school and and working, or maybe you're working multiple jobs, or working 80 hours a week at your job, you know, in a way that may be, um, you know, hard to kind of, um, hard to internalize or grasp. But, you know, when you do add a spouse or children, you know, it really does kind of bring it to a head. And, you know, I don't doubt that many people here may have heard this before, but it, it really is true. And I, and I think having that time available is, is a blessing. And you, know, you may choose to fill that time now with a ton of other things. And maybe you really don't feel like you have a lot of spare time. But I think that if you proceed with intentionality, it may be that you may be able to focus and guide and direct in an intentional manner, in a strategic manner, how you use that time. And, and maybe it is that you're you know, working. And, and, you know, I think it is a good use of time to better yourself and to prepare yourself in a way that would set you up well to, you know, earn a living, uh, you know, especially if you're a man and, you know, are going to be the provider throughout the course of a life uh, for a family. And, you know, that would be a really good thing to do. And, you know, I think that I'm preaching to the choir here in many ways. I know that, you know, just being Asian myself, my parents always drilled into me very various, various practicalities and being able to make a good living and things like that. But, uh, you know, again, even what you choose to focus on. And I think it's so critical. You alluded to this earlier in the discussion, Mark. Carving out time to make an intentional effort to serve the local church is is huge. And I really want to cite 1 Corinthians 7, 32 through 35. And I would say this, uh, the, the passage goes, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. training yourself to work hard and, and developing skills and profession those are all good things but you have to be careful that you're not doing that for solely again this self-absorbed self- focused reason and, and you know I think that you know this, this is all going to be subject to the heart motive of course and I'm not questioning anyone here's heart motive in that regard because I obviously I don't know you uh, except a very few of you and, and mark very well but you know it's really a question of you know, if you read this passage, are you making sure that you are spending time with securing your undivided devotion to the Lord? And, you know, you're going to do that often, not exclusively, but often within the context of the corporate body of the local church. And, you know, really the reason this is so important is because you're going to be developing habits as a single person, uh, you know, especially as you serve, that will serve you well as you, you know, Lord willing, if you progress into a married and parenting life, because it doesn't get any easier when that happens. And hopefully, you know, these habits that you grow and develop now will help carry you forward even into a time of life where it might be even harder to kind of carve out that time, if you will, for undivided devotion to the Lord in that sense. And again, I'm not saying you can only have undivided devotion to the Lord within the context of a local church, but it is a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. So Mark, I don't know if that helps, uh, you know, from what your question is, but that well, I
0: think, good. yeah, Han, absolutely. And, and clearly, you know, the patterns and foundations that are laid during our single years carry over for good or you know, in a bad way into our married lives and family lives or wherever the Lord takes us. Absolutely, you know, without a question on that. I think also too, sometimes, you know, you would hope that the challenges of self-absorption and our idolatries that the first time those get exposed, you would hope that it's not going to happen in the marriage or with children where there needs to be self-sacrificial love and there's no way around it and it gets exposed but you know to piggyback on what you're saying part of that is being willing to receive correction and instruction from those in the local church including godly mentors i know that's something that you know was very present in your life and that you sought after but i think one of the dangers you know if i can add an exhortation here is if your singleness, you know, Proverbs mentions that he who isolates himself seeks his own desire.
6: Well, if there's, all sound wisdom, yes.
0: Yeah, if, if there's that isolation, and every time correction comes from an older, godlier, wiser person, whether it's a Titus II woman, or, you know, a, a discipler, rather than receive correction, just to withdraw
6: or find your own place. Absolutely. That, I mean, that is the danger. It's what I said earlier in terms of one of the dangers of the single life is that, you know, you may uh, not have as much accountability as as you like. And just as this extra time or even generally speaking, greater liberty that you have in terms yeah. of, uh, you know, what you do with your time, your resources, you know, it's also a danger because look if at the first time someone gives you an award a of exhortation, you say, well, look, I'm out of here. I'm going to bounce, you know, that that's not helpful to you or anyone, you know? And I think developing that humility, if you look through the Proverbs, there's really uh, this pattern, uh, I would say, I did a message one time on teachability from the Proverbs and how, you know, chasing counsel is so critically important and cherishing correction is also important and changing course is also important. And so, you know, it's so counter-cultural to our kind of Burger King, have it your way society, uh, this individualistic notion. And, uh, you know, I think developing these habits too will only benefit you as you move forward in your life as a churchman or a churchwoman and as potentially a a spouse and parent.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and just just a reminder for us all, whether you're married or single, the Lord God has given the church his bride as his gift for us as being part of the household of God to provide and to take care of us, whether we're single or whether we're married. Uh, And that's a bit of a segue on to my next question. Maybe you can give us some insights and exhortations or or direction for singles with regards to how to think through relationships. And I'm saying that very broad because it gets reduced in the single world to dating. That, that you know, relationships come down to dating, you know, and, and if it's not dating, then what do I do? How do I interact? But I think the bigger picture is: okay, for a single person, how should they be thinking through? biblically uh, participation in relationships in a way that is honoring and pleasing to the Lord?
6: Yeah, well, look, you know, when it comes to dating, and I know it's a broader question that you're asking, uh, you know, I did, uh, I, I, I delivered a message for Sundays in July, I think it was back in 2018 or thereabouts, and it was entitled Challenges in Christian Dating, Formulas, Follies, and the Friend Zone. And, uh, you know, I kind of went into various, Kind of convictions because uh, you know, Mark and I spent a lot of time not only in singles ministry, but then even beyond uh, the foundry, which uh, kind of merged into Crossroads, the college ministry in 2009. I continued on in that ministry, and then my wife and I were mentor staff in that ministry for a number of years. So I was really involved in singles ministry for over 13 years, and you know, these are just kind of some of the patterns I saw. But you know, just before I dive into that, um, you know, that kind of longer-form message, and there was a QA and a that was, I think, at that Sundays in July session, too. Uh, you know, aside from that message, you know, I guess I would say that in terms of the relationships that you develop, I think it is so critically important to speak more broadly to try to really have a, a, as um, integrated of a relationship as you can in the local church with respect to singles and families, and, and I just really think that is so helpful. And, you know, not only is it helpful, you know, just for singles to be able to serve some of the married families, but it's also helpful just in terms of some of the married families to be able to serve as a model and as a place of shelter and refreshment and encouragement for their single friends. And, you know, I I just really cherish those and have appreciated those relationships. You know, I enjoyed them when I was a single man and we try to provide those to other singles now, you know, at our church today. And I just think that that kind of seamless you know, as, as seamless as possible, I should say, type of relationship and relational integration is just so wonderful. And, you know, it, it's like a symbiotic relationship in many ways. A lot of single folks, especially if they came to the Lord, you know, uh, not in childhood, but later on in life, you know, some of these folks really have no model Uh, To look at, you know, they may not have Christian parents or, you know, Christian family of their own and, and just even being able to be in an environment where they can see what a Christian marriage or a Christian family looks like is, is invaluable. I know, I was privileged to be able to spend some time with my discipler and pastor Kurt and, you know, spend some time in his home. And that was just so incredibly helpful to me because I wasn't born or raised in a Christian home. I mean, nominally, there were some Korean Christian cultural aspects, but it was not a Christian home. So that was really uh, helpful to me. And relationally, I think to seek that out is really helpful. And, you know, if you're single, you know, try to maybe, you know, look look for a couple that you get along with or, or a family that you get along with. And, you know, maybe it may take a little bit of humbling oneself and say hey you know I would love it if I could spend you know you know would you be open to spending some time together sometime because I think a lot of times there can be this sense and it can go both ways but there can be this sense that oh you know the married couple that you know the family they're so busy I don't think they would want to have a tag along or on the flip side the married couple might be like oh you know these singles are all doing their own events with each other I don't know how much they'd want to spend with an old married couple like us you know, and I think there can be this kind of assumption. And if it isn't actually verbalized, and you know, those kind of, uh, you know, conversations aren't had, then, you know, they may not happen. And so I would say, you know, and again, the married folks can reach out to it's like, hey, would you like to come over to our house for dinner? Uh, You know, something like that, you know, a lot of times people would jump at that opportunity.
0: You know, Han, I I think that was, for me, one of the blessings of the loneliness of being single, and, and God's gift of, Of both uh, humility and humiliation through that (laughs) process um, of just saying, look, the kingdom is worth everything. I need, if I need to ask, I'll ask. And that was something that Julie and I talked about too after we got married to say, look, if if we want to be with someone, I'm not going to wait to be invited. You know, like John Street was an example where I, I just said, John and Janie, can we meet with you once a month by Skype? You know, just to pursue people, and and to say if they say no, that's okay. You know, that's fine, as opposed to that sort of phenomena, and maybe a little more so in the Asian community, that unless I'm invited, you know, I'm placing a burden on someone else. Whereas within the household of God, that model of God as a father who delights in his children coming to him with their needs and concerns and burdens, um, that is really a paradigm changer for that aspect of relations and relationships. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that.
6: Sure. You know, and when it comes to, you know, other relationships, you know, whether it's a friendship between a single man and a single woman or, you know, whether it's a dating relationship, you know, I I guess two other exhortations I might offer in this area in terms of relationships, you know, I, I think that it's so critically important to cast off consumerism. That was one of the points in the message that I gave on Christian dating and you know again all around us we're bombarded with these you know not only uh, not only is it a highly sexualized culture it's also a highly individualistic culture and everything again I, I alluded to it you know Burger King have it your way and I can I think that there can be this sense that you know all I want is someone who fits perfectly in every you know checks off every single box you know, and if not, if I don't get everything that I want, then I'm just going to wait, or I'm just going to, you know, forget it, you know, it's not worth it, and I think that that's really, if you look at scripture, that's not at all what scripture praises, and Proverbs thirty-one thirty is a verse many of you know, but it's so helpful to remember, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised, and, and you know, look, we're, we're so, like, superficially oriented i think in this society and just to remember look it's not about charm and and being smooth you know it's like maybe the person's a little bit awkward but if the awkward person loves the lord that's way more important than charm and look again in our culture it is so easy to default to beauty or to handsomeness as kind of like oh well that's 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 it that's what i want to go for that's what i want to marry and Again, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And I think trying your best to see with eyes that as our father sees us, you know, doing your best to do that and to try to crush down as much as possible this kind of consumeristic attitude that is programmed into us almost as soon as we step foot into this country, I think would only benefit you because, you know, there there was this old article, Mark and I used to joke about it, I think, you know, I don't know exactly when it came out. I think uh, it was quite a while ago in its earliest iteration, but it's this article, brother. You're like a six, and it was it was this really funny article that I think was was kind of real talk, if you will. And it was just kind of like, well, look, uh, you might be looking for nines and tens, and this could go for the gals or the guys, but you ain't necessarily such great shakes yourself, you know. And I don't know. It just really, again, to me, it brings home the importance of Proverbs thirty-one thirty. But the other thing I would also urge you to do is to have candid communication with each other. And that's another kind of point from my message that, look, you know, let your SBS, yes yes, let your no be no. But, you know, it's OK to have these discussions. And, and look, there, there can always be this awkward uh, time where, you know, maybe a guy and a gal are getting to know each other and you know, not really quite sure what it is. And, you know, sometimes it can be a point of intense frustration, especially for the ladies who really want to honor the guy's leadership and things like that. But, you know, there comes a point where, look, you can just have an honest conversation. Like, <laughs> look, you know, we're, we're hanging out alone and we, we've been doing it three or four times. You know, what's up? You know, I, I really think that's okay. And not only is it okay, I think that, you know, it's really, you know, it, this is not something when you get married, you know, you're you're not going to have, I, I really want my wife to be plain spoken and, and just honest in, in our communication with each other. It's that old joke about, you know, look, I can't mind read, uh, you know, my, my wife, you know, you know, we're not uh, mind readers. And I think that that candid communication, uh, even when you're friends is more than appropriate. And I think sometimes we can get bound up in this kind of patriarchalist uh, almost legalistic at times notion of what it is and isn't and you know what what dating or courtship or whatever it is uh, you know should look like or ought to look like and I, I really think that uh, you know really uh, it would be better just to be look you want to be honest and open with your brother or your sister so
0: you know Han you sort of took the words right out of my mouth too is that how necessary is that in a married relationship oh, to totally you know, and sometimes as an elder, I'm sure as, as a pastor, I can just say, I, I know my wife, I, she could almost say, you're hanging around with me an awful lot. What's up? You know, and that's an aberration too. And, and that's a thing that's worth, uh, worth hearing. So, yeah, so, so spot on on that aspect, as far as that, that, uh, you know, the things that are in scripture and um, Han, you know, to what extent do you think for you and I, because, you know, in a very similar way, I came out of I was just sharing with a brother today that I came out of a very respectable, worldly background sure. just with medicine, West Los Angeles, the, the clientele, the, the medical group I was with. It was respectable and would be accepted in a church, but it was a lot more worldly consumer, all of those things that you mentioned uh, than I understood. To what extent, you know, did you and I benefit from that period of time of being single, of just being in the Word, and how that changed our eyes in how we viewed our wives when we met them? You know, when you talk about not being consumeristic in our relationships, you know that that time in the Word and that time at Grace Church and that time in service, you know, at for me, you know, really changed the way. Um, I related to people, you know, and had a huge, huge impact. And I I don't think, quite frankly, um, I'd be married to Julie, or have that blessing in my life. Certainly, if I had not been sort of confronted, challenged, corrected, and filled with the Word of God for several years. Amen.
6: And what you described, Mark, is really the most natural, normal thing for any earnest Christian, right? Because Over the course of time, our interests are the things that we find appealing and attractive are naturally going to be sanctified over the course of our time. It's true with respect to our music. It's true with respect to our entertainment choices. It's true with respect to even like, I mean, again, it blows my mind sometimes because again, as a, as a very kind of stuck up entertainment lawyer You know, just there are brothers in this church who I'm like dear friends with, and we come from completely different walks of life. And there would be no other context except the local church that I would be hanging out with this kind of working class Latino brother that I count as such a dear, dear friend in the Lord. And, you know, when, when you see that beauty of these types of relationships, and again, you know, even though I would not have found that attractive or interesting, perhaps when I was a vain entertainment lawyer, You know, it's just the Lord naturally working on what I found appealing. And what I found appealing was, you know, friends who really wanted to love the Lord. And and, and that has to also impact how, you know, what we find attractive. And, And I think that it will, if you allow that to work on yourself. I think sometimes, you know, people maybe like think, let's have a look, all these other areas of my life. Sure, that might happen. But not in the area of you know attractiveness or physical beauty or, or whatever. That that's that's something I'm going to cling on to, and and I don't, for whatever reason, maybe it's pride, maybe it's like an image of what type of person you think you ought to be with, uh, you know. Whatever the reason is, uh, you know, oftentimes it can be. And again, I'm not making a blanket accusation. I don't know anyone here's heart, but sometimes it can be an idolatry at, at times, and. You know, I do think that if you let the work of the word of God, let the work of sanctification work on your life, that I pray for all of you. I, I do pray even right now that you would, again, internalize Proverbs thirty-one thirty. that a woman or a man who fears the Lord is to be praised and that that really is uh, the most attractive thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to encourage you all. uh, There's a treasure trove of Hans teaching at Grace Community Church, and he spent a a long time ministering from the Proverbs for the single community as he, even after he was married, he and Heather ministered and took care of that community. And so a number of the things that he's mentioning today, you can resource and listen to that. And, And I think, honestly, there's not, I still, there are some books now that have come out that are a little bit better than there were before, but there's still not that many. I remember when I showed up in the Grace bookstore and I was looking for a book on dating and I bumped into Rick Holland and, you know, he, I said, you know, can you point me in the right direction? And he pointed me, he said, well, here, there's a book from Josh Harris. Right. And then I said, well, I sort of read that Rick. And then he sort of looked at me and he said, no, I know. And so he knew that it was, and, and then he took me down to his office and gave me a free stack. This is back in cassettes. This is how far back it was of, of his sermons that he had done on relationships and dating. And it was such a gift to me to have. And so I just want to say to all of you, those resources are there. You just need to go to gracechurch.org, type in Han's name, and you'll get access to many of the things that he's, he's been referencing um, Han, we're going to probably tie up in five minutes. This has just been, you know, the tip of the iceberg. And I suspect, you know, I'm going to probably see if I can get the shepherd's hook and hook you back at a later date for for a part two in this. Um, but I did want to, you touched on this a little bit before, but um, you lived on both sides, the single, but also the mentoring couple taking care of singles. Are there some words of advice you can give uh, to the married folks in our church and those with families. And I think one of the challenges that comes up, and I'm guilty of this too, is uh, the self-absorption. We can be so busy uh, with ministry in our family that it seems we have little time, okay, for others outside of those areas. And if the singles aren't in those areas of ministry, it seems like it can be hard for us to, to do that. And I know that's a conviction I have of, of being better at that. But are there some uh, exhortations you can give for the busy marrieds about how to minister to the single folks uh, who are a gift and a treasure in the local church.
6: Yeah, you know, I would say love them. You know, just really, you know, I can't tell you, um, Mark, you undoubtedly remember Bubba and Robbie. Yes. so Well,
0: yeah. they gave me that article about the six. So that <laughs> came to mind, as you mentioned, that it was Bubba in the men's washroom who was sharing at Grace, sharing with me that, that article. So, yes. Yep.
6: That that one stings, doesn't it? Yeah, I I remember. uh, I can't remember how I got it either. But uh, no, it's just look, you know, just I had such a heart relationship with Bubba and Robbie because they were rooting for me. They were praying for me. You know, they even cared enough to like offer to set me up. And, and, you know, I I don't know how everybody's view is on that. For me, I got to the point, especially later on, where I was like, look, if you're kind enough to even think that of me, that, you know, I would be worthy of being set up with someone that you regard well, you know, why wouldn't I at least give that a shot? You know, I I really, like, I've I've made a hash of it on my own for all these Mm -hmm. years. Why not, you know, sure. (laughs) And I know, Mark, you had a similar view of it. And I I always appreciate it. They were
0: setting uh, me up too. So (laughs) we were on the list together. So I don't know whether I was on the B list after you got the A list, but I was on that track.
6: Well, it's but and again, that heart attitude, it was just so just it really meant the world to me. It was so winsome. And it was just so because I knew they were, you know, that they were they were rooting for me. They were praying for me. They, They really wanted, you know, that to happen for me. And, you know, it's just so sweet. And, you know, just especially when I saw the sweetness of the marriage that they had, that they would want that for me. You know, it was just so moving on many levels. I really view, uh, you know, Robbie in particular, uh, and Bubba, but, you know, just Robbie just as like another mother to myself. Yeah. And yeah. so it was just really sweet. And I think that's a way, you know, one way that you can kind of, you know, just, and again, this is assuming, I don't want to presume not, I mean, there are going to be, uh, you know, I would suspect a minority or a subset of single folks here who may believe that, look, I, I may have you know, I don't burn, and you know, maybe I am called to be single for a lifetime. I love to serve a local church with uh, you know undivided uh, devotion, and maybe that's fine. But like to the extent that a single person does have a desire for marriage, you know, I think that can be one way that the marrieds can 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 come alongside their single brothers and sisters, and and to really you know. Um, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn right and whether it's a tough breakup and you can be there for them and and you know really to console them and to care for them or you know again rejoicing when there is a yes to a date and that maybe proceeds to something more and that proceeds to something more those are all wonderful things and again it's a way that you can kind of have this integral uh, you know uh, this kind of integration uh, that is so helpful that's excellent
0: Han, I wish we had two more hours because I feel like we're just getting warmed up. But, um, you know, what great words. And and just to all of you, singles or marrieds, let's pray for one another. Um, you know, this same couple, they were so kind to me. And um, on those situations, there were many awkward times. They tried to set me up. But at the same time, the joy I look back on my relationship with them and the time that was spent um, is eternal. And uh, just... Married folks to pray for people who are not like you, the single folks, and single folks to pray for the married folks who are not like you. I think one of the remedies for self-absorption is to pray and minister to people who are not like you, and uh, to make even if you were to pick one single person married folk who you're going to pray for for the rest of the month, and and singles, if you were just to say, okay, here's one family who I'm going to pray for. Uh, However, the Lord leads, whether they're struggling or whatever, or you have a connection um, for that to be a starting place. And and then just for us to interact together and to remember that, um, you know, in Ephesians where Ephesians two, where Paul says, you know, it's the blood of Christ that draws us near. I mean, that is as true for a married couple as it is in the local church, as it is for Jew and Greek, as it is for married and singles that at the end of the day, it is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who who draws us near, regardless of where we're at. So, um, yeah,
6: no, and I, I think that's all great, Mark. And, you know, if I could give a closing word to the singles, because, look, I, I have such a love for single folks. And, you know, just really, you know, I, I believe and Mark, I know, too, you know, we've walked where you've walked. And, you know, just I really have a heart for singles ministry and single folks. And, you know, I just want to close with a word from Proverbs 13, because I think it's so helpful. Um, Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. So, you know, look, that that loneliness that I mentioned at the beginning, that that kind of uh, heart sickness at times, if you might feel that way sometimes about being single, the Proverbs get it, right? That That's that's the human condition. So don't feel like you're some uh, you know, unsanctified uh, you know, uh, um, brute if, if you're feeling that way a little bit. You know, that, that's the Proverbs would say that that is life sometimes. And you know, if that, that hope deferred can make the heart sick. But the beautiful thing about the word of God and even Proverbs 13 is I believe you know, one answer is found in Proverbs 13, four, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing. While the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. And, you know, that's the answer is stay diligent, you know, stay diligent, not only, you know, in the work that you do, but, you know, stay diligent in your service to the local church, stay diligent to, you know, even seeking marriage. And, you know, I think that those are all things where, you know, again, don't lose heart, you know, do not weary of doing good. But, you know, really, you know, again, it's just it's just a closing thought for my single brothers and sisters.
0: Yeah, Han, that aspect of the diligence and, and the devotedness, and this is specifically, you know, to the singles, I want to say this, God has given you the gift of time. You might not have the gift of money, but there is a freedom that you have as a single person and a time that you will rarely have in the rest of your life. And you can use it for the Lord, or you can use it for yourself. You can use it in the local church, or you can use it for the things of this world. And I just want to exhort you, Look, Christ is no man's debtor, you know, just seek him first and love him and use that. And Just in the same way that there are married couples in our church who right now, as we speak, are looking at their lives and their jobs and they're doing an inventory and say, what is being used for the kingdom and what is being used for the world? That's something that some a number of our married couples are wrestling with right now what, you know, work, time, all of this, what's being used for the kingdom and what's being used for the world, what's going to perish. Singles, you need to start thinking about that now too. And to say, look, with what God's given me, it might not be a lot of money, but it is time and freedom. How am I using this and being diligent to use it for Christ and the kingdom, as opposed to just building up pride and self-absorption? And there's two paths there. And I just want to exhort you, take that time, take that initiative, see your elders, see your disciples, just even go to them and say, listen, how can I use my time? How can I serve? How can I serve in the local church? How can Christ use this? And I think, and I know that Christ will use it in a way that will be fruitful, not only for the local church, but in the ministry of the gospel. So I I know that's impassioned, but I'd like to see us get there. Um, Han since I don't get to be with you too often, uh, could I impose on you to close us in prayer?
6: Sure, what a, what an honor. Father, I'm so thankful for this uh, group of saints. I'm so thankful for Mark and just the Lighthouse churches. And Lord, I just pray that you would work your will in the lives of everyone on this call, whether married or single. And that uh, that working out, Lord, with even fear and trembling at times, Lord. I just pray, Lord, that it would ultimately work just in such a rich blessing for everyone here that uh, you would make the paths straight of the people here, that uh, you would really uh, let them not stray to the left or to the right, but they would be pursuing Christ with undivided devotion, Father. And I just pray that you would help them through the Holy Spirit, that you would help them through the local church, that you would help them through uh, just even counselors and elders and, and just people in their lives who love them and point them to you, Lord. And I do pray plainly, Father, I just pray for even marriages to come out of this group to, to that marriages that would honor you, Lord. Uh, we, we live in a time in a culture that is not only sexualized, that is not only individualistic, but that is also, Lord, in many ways, anti-marriage and anti-family. And I just pray that we as the church could be showing a witness that uh, that that really allows us to show a relationship between Christ and his church, Father. I'm so thankful for this opportunity. I'm so thankful for these people. And Lord, I just uh, commit them to your care. And we're so grateful to you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. One last thing, Han, huh, before I let you go. As a church, how can we be praying for you and Heather and your family? And how can we be praying for the ministry at Grace Community Church since this is a, a hard season?
6: Yeah, well, look, uh, you know, it's been a blessing of a season for us. And, you know, I'm always the first to say, uh, you know, we don't expect everyone to do it just like we have, certainly not. And, you know, really, uh, you know, we trust each church that is led by its elders to, uh, you know, that is well led by its elders to make the decisions that are best for their local body. And so we've really had a rich season of blessing throughout this time. And yeah, we've taken shots and people have taken shots at us, but you know, such as life, you know, we just soldier on. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I, you know, I, I preached a message from First Corinthians 4, 1 through 5 on uh, the confident Christian, it was called. And, you know, it was really at the end of the day, we, we are accountable to and answer to the Lord. And uh, if our conscience is clear in that regard, you know, and of course, that's not to say that we are self-willed or, you know, just unintreatable uh, people. But at the same time, you know, if we genuinely believe that we are working for the Lord and, and wanting to honor the Lord, then that's been a rich blessing. But you know, even so, we do covet your prayers just as a church and local body that, you know, we would be able to have wisdom as we proceed forward, that we would be a light for the gospel, that we would be able to, you know, really care and minister to people from all walks of life. Uh, you know, as a family for my family and I, uh, you know, we have a five-year-old, a three-year-old and a one-year-old, uh, two older girls and a boy, and our oldest has made a profession of faith and just pray for, please, much fruit in her life and pray for a profession of an earnest and genuine profession of faith and the lives of our three-year-old and one-year-old at the right time. That's really the, the fondest prayer of my wife and I, certainly. I just started a new job on a temporal level about a little over a month ago and uh, just uh, that uh, pray for favor there and that I will do well. And uh, yeah, just generally speaking, uh, you know, we're, we're just really blessed and thankful and we have a lot of praises to report. And, you know, one more thing I'll add is, uh, you know, uh, we haven't told a ton of people, but we're starting to uh, Heather is pregnant with our fourth. So that would certainly be we cover your prayers for just a, uh, you know, just a a great development and just a a safe and healthy delivery to a wonderful baby boy or girl, uh, you know, maybe in in October. And, uh, you know, that would be something where we would certainly covet the prayers of the saints in that regard.
0: Absolutely. You've got it, Han. Listen, thank you so much. Uh, What a gift. And uh, to you all, listen, have a blessed Lord's Day. And we will see you soon. All right. Thanks, Han, so much. Good night.